Scherzer double-digit case. We're busting ours. Pick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. And to the Mass and All Access Podcast, everybody. Good to see you again for another week of uh, Mass and All Access Podcast. Of course, brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about student-athletes and programs today. I'm your host, Bobby Blanco, back with you. And we've got an exciting episode this week. A lot going down from the National Celebratory Weekend, unveiling the ring design, premiering their self-made documentary, Improbable, which I I know a lot of Nationals fans enjoyed, and getting to see the rings for the first time and, and a good time uh, by uh, Coco and friends, of course, on Masson all weekend. We'll get into that too. But we also have some sort of breaking news. A lot of news came down over the past 24 hours or so in the baseball world in terms of um, a proposed plan and how the negotiations between Major League Baseball and the Players Association is continuing to have uh, a baseball season in 2020. We're nearing that time. Um, June is just a week away, under a week away, and that is the kind of early June, the target date to have a plan in place so that uh, baseball players know where they're going and how they're going to proceed in playing and hopefully get a season underway by July. And to talk about all that stuff, all the good and negative that's coming in the news, of course, we were bringing in um, uh, Masson's very own Mark Zuckerman. Mark, thank you so much for hopping on again. It's been a, a couple of weeks since we have you had you on. How are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing fine, Bobby. I think like everyone else, we're kind of glued to every little nugget of information that gets out there right now and trying to figure out what does that mean and if and when a season's going to start and where is it going to be, how is this all going to play out. And before we get into too much detail, I, I just want to say I think that we probably have more of a negative vibe right now that because we hear so much about what players don't want and what owners don't want and here are all the logistical problems for it all. And and that's fine. Look, th- this is a complicated thing. This is not just going to be simple uh, to first get the agreement and then second to actually get the season up and running. But I would caution everyone not to focus too much on the negative stuff because these are all negotiations. And eventually, I do think the two sides will come to an agreement. There's too much at stake there. Uh, I think they're going to give this thing a try. I can't say, I don't think anybody can say definitively how it's going to play out and whether it's going to be a successful season, whether there's going to be an outbreak, whether they have to shut things down, how that's all going to work. But I'm trying to stay pretty optimistic here, and I think most people should too, um, that they are going to find a way to to give this a try, and hopefully it all works out. And 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 maybe don't worry so much about each little negative you know, tidbit that comes out uh, and it's really more about once things are resolved, uh, you know, then let's look at what this season is going to entail and, and then evaluate it at that point. Yeah, no, I think that's a good, I guess, opening remarks. Uh, you're jumping right into it. I, I love it. This is why we bring on the best of the best to uh, talk about these things. And um, I just also wonder, speaking of the negative, I want to uh, thank you for putting up with me as I also produce the show um, as we're going live uh, and and. On the video, if you're watching on Mass and National's Twitter account or the YouTube page or Mass and National's Facebook page, I appreciate your your giving me a little leeway as I as I run the show um, while also hosting. But yeah, marketing right into it. 
Um, it's it's kind of, you know, I, I think, at least for me personally, I think you and I kind of agree. As a fan, it is kind of like, ooh, this doesn't have great optics. It doesn't look too good, um, especially with kind of all, I don't want to call it backstabbing, but going around each other's backs and leaking stuff to the media. And, you know, we saw that the MLB uh, kind of leaked their proposal yesterday and the immediate response from some of the players that they leaked was that they hated it. We saw some actual players take to Twitter themselves and say how much they despise the, the plan and how it's not going to work. Mark, is there any sense into, and I can pull up a graphic with some details of the plan, but is there any sense that it's, you know, just like we mentioned a couple weeks ago and even months ago, like there has to be a starting point somewhere, right? I mean, this is just going to be the starting point in terms of negotiating uh, the financial aspects of a return to play plan. Right. So think about any kind of negotiation that takes place. One side is going to offer up a proposal. They're going to offer up something not that they expect is going to be the final resolution. They're going to offer up what they think is maybe a best case scenario for their side. And then they expect the other side to say, no, hang on, we're going to offer the exact opposite end of the spectrum of that. And then you start trying to find some middle ground there and make it work out. When you go to uh, to buy a car, uh, the dealer is offering you a price that they know you're never going to agree to, but they're setting it at a certain level to then try to get you to start to come towards them and they come back down towards you. So that's the way negotiations work. That's the way every labor negotiation in the history of baseball and all professional sports um, has gone. I think the interesting thing about this that maybe we haven't seen in the past is it's all happening in real time and all these details are getting leaked out there and players have the ability to react to it unfiltered through Twitter and Instagram and, and other social media outlets. And you haven't really seen that, you know, in, in some of the old negotiations that happened back in the day before all this. So it's weird as a, as a journalist, I like all the information being out there. I like being able to react to it, being able to see, uh, you know, how this is playing out in real time. But as a fan who just kind of wants the sport to come back, part of me is saying, I wish these two sides could just lock themselves up in a closet, a virtual closet somewhere, only talk to each other and don't come out until there's a deal done. And then we can all react to it at that point. Chances are that's what's going to happen in the end. It's going to happen in the back rooms. Um, the, the leaking out of stuff by both sides of the equation is probably not helping anybody's cause other than our own, you know, insatiable need to find out what's going on. Right. And I think there's like a lot to a point like we just want information. And you, as a reporter, even as a fan, you want to know what's going on. And maybe it's the sense that we're getting a little too much information of what's going on too much into the negotiations. And that's opening up kind of an ugly view of, of the whole situation. And um, just so we can kind of break down the proposed details, let's get into the nitty gritty of it. I'll bring up the graphic of of some of the details of the plan. Um, so all salaries for all players will be prorated based on playing 82 games. We're looking at an 82-game schedule shortened from, of course, 162. Uh, players will be paid a certain percentage based on a salary scale. So uh, the less you make, the more percentage of your salary you will earn. And the more you make, the less percentage of a sa the salary you will earn based on your already prorated salary. And then the so the lowest paid players will receive close to their full share. And the game stars, as according to ESPN.com, uh, will receive far less than they ex would be expected to be paid. And this also includes a $200 million, $200 million in playoff bonuses if the postseason and the World Series is able to be completed. Um, and then they're also, of course, aiming for three full weeks of spring training 
um, and an early July start. For so for that to be the case, Mark, they would probably have to get this deal in done in the next couple of weeks by early June so they can get those three weeks of spring training in and start between July 1st, July 4th, the first week of July, the, the regular season, right? Yeah, they're starting to get close to uh, to an important date here. I kind of felt like June 1st all along was going to be a critical date because if they can get an agreement by then, then that gives everybody a week to 10 days to figure out where do we need to be, how we're going to organize spring training, get everybody in place, allow the, the players and specifically the pitchers to start ramping themselves up again. Uh, and then around June 10th or so, you can start having workouts and now you have a three-week spring training and can start the season the first week of July. Now, you know, there's some flexibility there. They could push it back a little bit from that. Um, I think everybody understands that, but I think they also know they don't want to take this too far because then you're you're risking going deep into November or even December. And the only way to play a, a postseason in that case is to have it in a warm weather location or a dome. And I think at least the proposal at last came out from MLB was that they want everything to be in the home ballparks uh, and, you know, something that would resemble a normal timeline for when the postseason typically is. So there's a little bit of a compressed window now that we're talking about. It needs to get done fairly soon. As far as all those details go, you know, we've seen different proposals come out from MLB. It started as the, well, we're going to ask you to have a, a to accept a 50-50 split of revenue. The player said, no, that's the same as a salary cap. We don't do that. Now you're seeing them saying, okay, um, we're going to, the reductions that we ask for, we're going to ask for more from those who make the most and less from those who make the least. And that's an interesting concept to me because you're seeing this across all of uh, American business right now as a as something that a lot of companies are saying that, hey, the highest paid people are going to give up the most. And we're trying to ultimately make sure that the low end uh, workers aren't giving up as much. And in a lot of sense, you know, it makes a lot of sense in some cases. But I think what you're seeing here, and this is where it gets complicated. And we, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is that we think of the players as this one big unit and they're not it's 1200 individual players and they're all at different stages of their career making different amounts different life circumstances and so what's weird is even though there are way more players who make the league minimum or or close to the league minimum guys who haven't even reached arbitration yet the highest paid players the veterans are the ones who are in the positions of leadership within the union they're the union reps from their teams they're the executive board you know max scherzer's on the executive board one of the highest paid players in baseball so it creates this weird interesting dynamic where the guys who are making the most and ultimately suffering the most based on this proposal are they making the decision without getting the input of the rookies and the lesser guys who don't make as much or are they able to take all that into consideration um it's hard for a group that's that diverse to come to consensus i hope they are getting everyone's input on this um you don't just want as as respected as they are, and I'm not trying to diminish the importance of those top players and what they've done, and as we've learned, experience matters in these cases. But you hope they're not only thinking about their own interest and that they are considering um, all of the guys, the guys who are on the fringes of the roster, because they may have different priorities right now. Yeah, and that's a, a, all great points, and a lot of things I want to touch on right there. First off, I think nowadays 
not just in sporting negotiations, but just like you mentioned, all economic negotiations and business negotiations. There's going to have to be a lot of good faith put in place. You know, it's just, these are unprecedented times where people are going to have to make sacrifices for the greater good um, of the rest of the people in their specific organization, company, what have you, team, but also us as a society and a country and, and, a, and a species, basically, and across the whole planet. A couple of things I want to touch on right there from your remarks there, Mark. Um, first off, we mentioned, I think, when we, ha when we had you on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, the one thing that the, these negotiations had going for them, the positive thing was time. You know, we they had the time was behind them, and they had a, ch a good amount of time to to negotiate and come together and, and formulate a plan. You mentioned that that time that window is now dwindling and, and close to being closed. I mean, I, I think that you know, we've seen a lot of reports from major outlets saying that their target gate to complete this negotiation is next week or, or maybe even early the week after. That's not a lot of time, and. We're seeing them being very far apart. Is time now against them in this sense in that they're running out of time to make this decision and before they're going to be forced to either come up with something new or, God forbid, even cancel the season uh, in this short amount of time? And then also, it was interesting that you brought up that you know the players making the most money are the ones making the decisions. I, I talk about good faith. I mean, is, is, is it something where the players who voted these – representatives into their positions right and 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 they're gonna have to have good faith and trust in those in those people those players to make the decisions for them all is that something that you know obviously you see in, a, in other businesses and organizations but you know is it something that baseball is specific and because they have no salary cap and, and that these players are going to be a little more i don't want to say anxious or i don't know what the, the proper term is but looking to get the, as much money as possible because there is no, is, is this a different conversation? I guess what I'm saying is if we're talking about football, base, basketball, hockey, when there are salary caps in place and I don't know, such cuts aren't going to, aren't, aren't necessarily have to be made. Yeah, it is different from the other sports. Like you said, baseball has always, uh, you know, the players have always prided themselves in the fact that there is no salary cap, that it is a free market. Um, you know, that they can make as much as, as the owners are willing to pay them. Now, the other uh, backdrop to all this is that even if the virus never happens, baseball was already approaching a potential labor Armageddon where the CBA was due uh, to expire at the end of the 2021 season. And we've seen the last few years how upset players have been over what they feel like salaries not uh, growing uh, too many teams they feel are tanking, not investing in their players. And so a lot of players were already geared up for a fight anyways. And now you throw this into it as well. And I think what's interesting here is I think they, some of them are looking at this as sort of the beginning of that negotiation. And they don't want to make any decisions now that are going to negatively hurt them, uh, you know, a year from now when they are actually negotiating a long-term agreement. So that complicates uh, you know, matters as well. And again, what you would hope is that they'd be able to say, this is a unique situation we're in right now. We have to, for the good of everyone, find some common ground here. We can't, the optics of the season not happening because they were squabbling over money could have way more important long lasting ramifications for the sport than anything else. So I, I think they, they will get that and understand that and then say, Let's figure this out. And then a year from now, we've got larger fish to fry 
to try to work out a, a long-term arrangement that works for everyone. Maybe there are things they can negotiate right now that will help the players agree to cuts now that maybe there's something down the road that they can ask for uh, that they're looking for in a long-term negotiation. Maybe that helps uh, make something happen too. Um, to your first point about the timeline, yeah, it is compressed and that could be viewed as a bad thing. I could actually argue though that that's a good thing. Think about anything in life. When you have a deadline, a hard deadline, it forces you to sit at the table to figure something out. It's easy when you say, oh, well, we have time. We don't really have to you know, get into hard negotiations yet or we can we can stand firm on this uh, because you know we know there's time. Maybe the other side uh, you know, will ease up. Well, no, when you know there's a hard deadline and you're running out of time, how come all these things always get solved at you know, 11.59 p.m.? Right. Uh, th- there is pressure you know, having that deadline done. I'm a better deadline writer <laughs> with my articles than I am when I know I have a week to work on something. So I, I think it applies to everything. So hopefully uh, that actually could help matters and, and maybe within the next week we'll hear them say, okay, listen, we have to have something done by this date at this time. Maybe they'll actually get help them get something done. Yeah, kind of ironic that the only sport of the major four team sports in the USA that doesn't have a game clock is now up against the clock and going to have to play against it uh, to get a season in in 2020. All right, Mark, we don't want to keep you too long. There is one other note that's kind of tied into this greater uh, storyline, but uh, is more localized here. Uh, you had it on MassInSports.com today that the Nationals, while they are going to implement some salary cuts, are not going to have to lay off uh, any uh, of their employees. What can you tell us of the latest um, from the Nationals? Yeah, so you're actually seeing this happen across most of the sport. Uh, most teams have, have put out some kind of policy, whether it's uh, reducing salaries or even furloughs uh, in, in a few cases. And so the Nationals did inform their full-time employees yesterday, their baseball and their business side employees, that everyone's going to be taking uh, a, a reduced pay and reduced hours. But kind of like we're talking about with the players, there's a, a tiered scale to this so that those who make the most will take the biggest cut. It goes up to 30 uh, percent for those who make the most uh, in their annual salary. And then it's 10 percent for those who make the least. Within that are some reduced hours. So technically, it's not a furlough. They're not saying to anybody, OK, you're out of work for the next week or the next month, anything like that. Um, but it is, you know, sort of equivalent of, a, of an ongoing furlough where everybody has to work a few less hours and make a few less dollars. Um, the baseball employees will be paid all the way through the rest of their contract, which end in October. The front office business side folks will be paid all the way up through the end of December, uh, you know, which is how their uh, employment agreements are structured. And they all get their benefits. Uh, nobody's, you know, losing retirement or health care, anything like that. Uh, and, um, you know, the hope would be that everything gets back to normal here come next year. So it's unfortunate. You don't ever want to see this kind of stuff happen, but I think not only in baseball, you're seeing this across, uh, you know, a lot of the world right now where companies are trying to find ways to not lay off people, um, but reduce salaries. Nobody ends up, you know, making out great on this. Um, you know, and I know it's easy to look at this and say, well, Hey, the billionaire owners should just front this for everyone else. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that, except to say that these are businesses and everybody has to make business decisions um, that affect everyone. Uh, and at a time when you've got the players and the owners, you know, sparring over how much they're going to divvy up millions of dollars, 
Uh, let's not forget that there are rank and file people who work for the team that are being affected by all this too. And all the more motivation to ensure that there is a season. As long as it can be safely done, if there's a season that brings in revenue and allows the teams to pay everyone more than they would. If there is no season, there's going to be a dramatic effect on a lot of people. It's not just the players. It's people who work for these teams, people in the media like ourselves, whose jobs are tied to their actually being games. So, um, you know, you hope everybody can figure this thing out and, and understand that everybody's going to have to make some kind of sacrifices and that in the end, it, it's not too drastic for anyone. Yeah, it's an unfortunate situation, of course, for everybody. But um, I think there is a positive right there for the Nationals, like you said, that there are no official furloughs. No one's losing their jobs. and They're going to be paid for the next couple of months, at least somewhat, um, and able to hopefully survive through all of this. And hopefully a baseball season uh, approaches and comes and we'll have some more monies coming into these organizations. I know we've seen a lot of official furloughs throughout uh, baseball and some other organizations, which is obviously unfortunate, but happy to see that the Nationals are able to pull through and, and keep their employees paid for the time being. All right, Mark, last thing before we let you go. Of course, it was a celebratory weekend for the Nationals and the Nats fans across the area uh, this past weekend, uh, both online and on mass in with the airing of Improbable, uh, which will be re-aired, uh, actually breaking news, re-aired this Sunday night on Masson in its entirety uh, with part one uh, at starting at 7, part two at 8.30, and then the uh, celebratory Zoom call, I guess, with uh, a champion celebration following it at 10 o'clock on Masson this Sunday night. So be sure to set your DVRs and tune in if you miss it this past weekend. But Mark, your quick takeaways on Improbable, uh, the ring design that they unveiled, everything that came across uh, Masson's screen uh, this past weekend. Yeah, the ring design, I, I think, visually speaking, I think they look fantastic. And I went back and looked at some other recent champions to kind of just compare the look of them. I think the Nats ring is a very sharp, clean look. I know they crammed a lot of stuff in there, but it doesn't look too cluttered to me. I think the, the boldness of the, the rubies and the sapphires and the diamonds is great. But then they also counterbalance that with the yellow gold. And a lot of the, the previous ones were just in a lot of silver and diamond, so you couldn't distinguish between everything all the little touches you know the baby shark on the inside of the ring i think that's great that's something that um you know is such a part of that team uh, that means a lot to everyone so I, I think that's a nice touch to put that in there um yeah i think they look sharp i think the players have had a, a pretty positive reaction to them so far thought the documentary was very well done uh, by the nats production crew and i i'm sure for a lot of people that felt like they really wanted that and needed that after the MLB documentary uh, seemed to be a little more sided towards the Astros than the Nats for uh, reasons that we can all, you know, debate over why that was or not. Uh, so it was nice to, to just kind of encapsulate that all and, and now have something that we can go back and watch forever that, that shows how this all uh, happened. And I'm glad that you mentioned that's going to be re-airing because I know a lot of people have been asking me because they missed it, if there'll be another opportunity to see it. So glad to hear that Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night at 7 o'clock starting. Um, I, I agree. I think the uh, the rings look beautiful. They're, they look fantastic. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, this is nitpicking, too. Obviously, I'll take any World Series championship rings. But I feel like they kind of stretched a little bit in terms of the meaning of some of the stuff. And, like, here are the 14 walk-off wins. Here are the three wins in June against the Marlins. I mean, I don't know. It just all kind of was like... The the duality of the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, you. yeah. I was kind of like, all right, that's stretching a bit but that's nice and the baby shark touch i thought was hilarious and awesome i and i think you know for someone like gerardo para who 
spent so little time with the team but meant so much to them to have his baby shark, his thing engraved into the ring that will be forever known. And anytime a player looks at their ring, they're going to remember him. It's pretty special for someone who, you know, obviously played a more significant uh, bench role early on in his time with the Nationals this past season, but that kind of dwindled as the season went on. But he still was a driving force in that clubhouse and for Davey Martinez in terms of uplifting the player's spirits. Yeah, and if we're going to nitpicks, and if, we're, if you're going to go down that path, I have to put this one out there because I've heard about it from a lot of people, and yes, I noticed it as well. Davey's saying go 1-0 and every day. Every day should be two words, yeah. not one word. Uh, unfortunate little mistake there, but yes, I, I noticed that. Obviously, I'm a writer. I know those kinds of things, too. A lot of people pointed it out, but at least it's on the underside of the ring, so it's not like the thing that's going to be out there that everybody's going to see all the time. Right, right, right. Not too bad. I mean, they're still beautiful. They're still great. Mark, thank you so much. Give Mark a follow at Mark Zuckerman on Twitter. And, of course, follow his uh, latest articles on MassInSports.com. He'll be updating you throughout uh, the shutdown and any news that comes up throughout the negotiations. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for your time. All right. Thank you, Bobby. All right. There he goes. That's Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. He will have you updated on the website from here on out, uh, obviously, uh, with any news that breaks, um, really appreciate him hopping on the podcast. That's going to do it for the podcast this uh, episode this week. Um, again, thanks to Mark for hopping on. A lot of good insight into the negotiations and what's going on with Major League Baseball. Just want to keep you updated with what is happening on the uh, website, MassInSports.com. Of course, Mark Zuckerman has uh, an article about the reduced pay, no layoffs for Nationals employees, but they ha- are taking pay cuts throughout the organization. Uh, They'll be keeping their jobs, though. And Byron Kerr has an in-depth look at the Dominican Summer League roster. Uh, Don't forget about those young players throughout the Nationals minor league system. They are looking to break through in the next couple of years. Uh, They're also affected by all of this, too. So Byron Kerr dives deep into the minor league roster. And then, of course, we have a long list of Nationals classics this week on Masson starting tonight, Wednesday, May 27th. Tune in at 7 o'clock. Watch Trey Turner hit for the cycle and the Nats wins over the Rockies back from 2017. That's an historic night for the Nationals and Trey Turner. And then, of course, Sunday night, like I mentioned, May 31st, starting at 7, relive the Nats' historic postseason run with Improbable, parts 1 and 2, and then followed by the championship celebration. If you missed it this past weekend, be sure to set your DVRs and tune in this week, Sunday night, starting at 7 for both parts of Improbable and uh, the championship celebration that followed thereafter. You can hopefully following the Mass and All Access podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Also tuning in on Mass and Nationals Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube channels. Uh, we have all the latest news and notes um, coming up, coming with you every week. New episodes every week throughout the shutdown and, of course, throughout the season whenever we get started again, hopefully, um, uh on the, on the Mass and All Access podcast. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I am Bobby Blanco. I thank you all for tuning in. And again, thank Mark Zuckerman for joining me. It's been a really good episode, a lot of insight. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Hope everyone's staying home, staying safe, and staying healthy. And hopefully we'll be seeing baseball sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.